0: Happy movie fans, it's Felicity and Clarence back at you again with another episode of Film Frontier. Uh, today we're talking about Tombstone, which as you may recall last week we talked about another Wyatt Earp movie, Gunfight at the O.K. Corral. This one a little more modern.
1: This one is from uh, 1993. It stars Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer, uh, directed by George P. Cosmatos, although we'll uh, get back to that later. Um, as you said, this is another Wyatt Earp movie, and this one, um, as the title would suggest, uh, follows, uh, the events of, uh, Tombstone and the gunfight at, at OK Corral. When the movie starts, uh, Earp, uh, arrives in Tombstone. He's already famous as a, uh, Kansas lawman. <clears throat> He's joining his brothers in Tombstone, which is a mining boomtown, and they're there to try and make their fortune, uh. And they do so by buying their way into a faro game in a saloon, and they get 25% of the house take. Eventually, they run afoul of the Cowboys, who the narrator at the beginning of the movie, uh, which is Robert Mitchum, tells us is the first example of organized crime in America. Um, this leads to the gunfight at the OK Corral, which comes about halfway through the movie. Which is unusual as most wider movies end with the gunfight.
0: Yeah, I was surprised when we watched it. This was another one, by the way, that I hadn't seen right, before right. this this viewing. Which I know, everyone loves this movie and I probably should have seen it before now.
1: <laughs> Big box office back in 93. I saw this in the theater uh, with my dad, actually. So anyways, we get the gunfight at the O.K. Corral. The Cowboys and the Earps and Doc Holliday square off. The Earps come out victorious but the Cowboys get revenge uh, by ambushing uh, two of the Earp brothers, Virgil and Morgan, killing Morgan. So Earp, with the help of Doc Holliday and a couple of other friends, goes on what's called the Vengeance Ride, and they systematically wipe out the entire Cowboy gang. There's also a uh, love story in the movie that um, is based on fact, but I feel is sort of tacked on, doesn't really, isn't developed well overall in the story. I don't think.
0: I agree, and we can get into that more later. What was your impression this time watching it around?
1: Um, it's a very watchable movie. I I've never been a huge fan of it. I know it's really popular with a lot of people. Um, I didn't care for it much in 93. I feel like it's as much as they try to add like shades of gray to the story of making Erp, you know, Erp's infidelity in the movie and they're just looking out for themselves in the beginning. They don't want to be lawmen anymore. I feel like it's really just a, a good guys versus bad guys, uh, kind of a crowd pleaser, shoot em up cowboy yeah.
0: movie. If There's any-
1: nothing wrong with that. I'm sorry. Go ahead.
0: If anything, I, I kind of felt more like Gunfight at the OK Corral had more shades of gray and more moral complications with the characters. This one felt very much like, oh, you got Kurt Russell as a hero. Right. I don't really believe he's going to do too much about it, even though you do mention the, the infidelity but that love story was handled strangely. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> it mostly amounts to music cues yes. telling you, oh, this is the love story now, and here's how you should feel about
0: it's it. It's very Mickey Mousey romantic yeah. song mm-hmm. plays, and so now we must buy that they're the perfect couple. Right, and...
1: right. It's a little bit hokey.
0: Yeah. yeah. But you still kind of... There are moments where you feel bad for his uh, original love interest. Yes.
1: Who is his... They call his wife, and I think in real life was a common law wife and they weren't actually married. Um, but she's, uh, addicted to laudanum, which is like an opium, uh, based drug. And she's, you know, they, they try to, I guess, make her look bad by being hooked on that. But they do give her a few moments of her own where you feel sorry for yeah, her Yeah, well.
0: where she's talks about how lonely she feels and how she just wants a little joy in her life. Right. And he's, and Wyatt <laughs> is never around to provide that for her. Right.
1: Either. And he's out, uh, writing with uh, Dana Delaney's character Josie, who's an actress who comes to town, um, part of an acting troupe, and plays at the famous Birdcage Theater in Tombstone. Um, her character, I thought, was uh, more modern for a western. I mean, she's sort of independent; doesn't want to be, doesn't want to settle down. She wants to travel and live on room service, as she says.
0: I actually have a quote from um, the New York Times critic Stephen Holden mm-hmm. about her character. Um, He says, especially when the movie tries to imagine a more enlightened role for women in the Old West, the screenplay begins to strain. Yeah. So (laughs) it it felt like an outlier in the movie. Like, it seemed obvious. It seemed like it, it was a knowing, like, this is a more modern woman. Yeah. Yeah. Can't you guys see what we're doing with, with yeah. this part?
1: Def- yeah, I definitely see that, yeah. Um, what were your overall impressions?
0: I think my original reaction after seeing the movie was it's an above-average 90s movie. Right, right. I mean, that's a that's a young person's impression <laughs> of the movie. It, it felt in the line mm-hmm. of a lot of those movies from the era of crowd-pleasing, blockbuster, even right. though it is a, a Western historic right. story,
1: yeah, Unforgiven came out the year before, and I think this is sort of a step back from that type of movie. Unforgiven is sort of examining the genre. This is more just, here's a rip-roaring Western with colorful characters. and you Yeah,
0: know. a lot of great action. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they've tried to shoehorn in the love right. story in a, in a very Hollywood kind of way. Yeah,
1: it kind of disrupts the movie, and and both of the women in Earp's lives always kind of pop up after some action scene or something and the music cue hits again and we're supposed to see that he's torn between the two of them. But it doesn't really work. You know? I mean I know they're trying to be historically accurate to an extent, but you almost could have just done without the without that storyline. Yeah. And in fact the other wives are just sort of
0: They're completely background. Yes. So. Yes.
1: Not developed at all.
0: There's like even one line at the beginning when the wives all meet, they're like, we could all be sisters. Right. And that's what it seems is like they're all just look alike people in the background. Yes,
1: completely in, indistinguishable from each other.
0: Although I mean we're talking about the relationship with the women, but mm. I also didn't think the relationship among the brothers or even between Wyatt and Doc was as well developed as in like Gunfight at the O.K. Corral for instance. Right. It didn't even though the brothers are more of a presence in this movie, it somehow the the relationship wasn't as strong for me and I when we first get introduced to Wyatt and Doc, they're they're naturally already friends and i didn't really feel like we built into their relationship mm-hmm. like why are they friends why does doc feel the need to like risk his life for these guys
1: right now granted this movie takes place after they've met and and you know already have become friends but really there's no example of what, what their friendship is based on i think there's like a few di- lines of dialogue that try to Say, oh, he makes me laugh, or we are friends. Like just trying to convince the audience that they're they're buddies. You know, you don't need any but example it a, of it.
0: Is it a uh, I will throw my life on the line for you kind of right, friendship? Right, right, like, right. You I just feel have like to those kind of friendships where it's life or death. You're not reminding each other every other yes. minute. We're friends, remember?
1: <laughs> <They> <laughs> That's seem... something
0: acquaintances do, and they
1: seem like acquaintances. Yeah, they mostly. do. Except for maybe later at the end, they seem to have more of a connection, but. Uh, in the beginning stages of the movie, it's not you're not you don't really feel that, and like when when Doc shows up, uh, conveniently to walk with the Earps down to the OK Corral, you're not really sure why he's so determined to go. There's no yeah. no really, it's not developed or anything. I don't think.
0: I mean, I guess it's never stated in the movie, but I guess you could argue maybe it's just he knows he's dying, he wants to do one last great thing. True,
1: he doesn't value his life at yeah. all, so he's yeah. Yeah it's not really a risk for him right. to go down there.
0: Although, let's talk about Doc's character more, which, okay. as I said when we first started watching it, it's played by Val Kilmer in a right. very memorable performance. Yes, very
1: famous performance.
0: I would say he's playing a southern aristocratic vampire throughout this entire movie, <laughs> based on his accent and his skin color the entire time. Yes. Because, as we know from the story, he's the character is dying of tuberculosis, and he has a very put-upon accent
1: <laughs> it is a very thick southern yes. aristocratic accent mm-hmm. i'll beg to dip what's up a lot of people love this performance uh it definitely stands out in the movie i find it way over the top yes. and cartoonish <laughs> he, he Me too. he's having fun obviously and it it i mean it makes the movie memorable it makes it watchable for but, sure but it's also not grounded in, in any way at all
0: but but just going back to his character yeah. <laughs> i i when i was thinking about it afterwards i wondered if his character progressed at all throughout the movie. Like, does he start at a certain place, and is he changed throughout the course of the movie and ends up a different person? Because I didn't really feel that.
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. He doesn't really change in any way. He's loyal to Wyatt, so we're told in the beginning, and then everything he does yeah. is... You and know, he knows
0: he's dying at the beginning, and he, spoiler, dies at the end. Right. But nowhere in there does his attitude really change. He... He's not like an out and out outlaw at the beginning and he becomes good or anything like that. Right. Or vice versa. Right. It's, he's kind of in that middle ground the whole time and is is a kind of a rotten gambler but also is is helping these lawmen and and fighting the the gang of cowboys. Right, right.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no real arc for for yeah. him at all, really. I don't know if that has to do with the fact that we're picking up their friendship when we're to Tombstone already after he's you know been with Earp and Dodge City or whatever.
0: Nonetheless, you're telling a story, any kind of story. <laughs> Your True. characters should have an arc, True. and not to mention it takes place over a long period of time. There's plenty of time for character yes. development.
1: True. That's a fair point. Yeah, even Kirk Douglas, I believe, has a, a you know definite arc yeah. in A Gunfight at O.K. Corral. So. In 93, there were two Earp movies in production. Uh, this one and one starring Kevin Costner, directed by uh, Lawrence Kasdan.
0: We could really do a whole series we of could. just Wyatt Earp <laughs> Holiday movies. There's plenty there, of there. There are a lot of them. Yeah.
1: Um, this one beat uh, Wyatt Earp to the theaters. Uh, this one came out in Christmas 93, and in the Costner film in the summer of 94. And this one... Cleaned up at the box office, completely blew the other one out of the water, but that this one uh, has stood the test of time. I would say in terms of staying in the audience's memory, like it plays on, you know, TNT or AMC yeah. all the time, and, and,
0: and everybody's saying, "I'm your huckleberry," yes,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> which is one of Al Filmer's lines. In yes. case you didn't pick up on the accent, <laughs> which
1: you can get on a coffee mug mm-hmm. or T-shirt, and uh, uh, if you would like.
0: I'm your
1: This movie is also a troubled production. Um, the screenwriter Kevin Najare was the original director, and he shot, I think, three or four weeks, and then he was fired by the producers, and they brought in George P. Cosmatos to direct. Which do
0: you know why they brought in George P. Cosmatos?
1: um, I believe he was friends with the producers. Is that wrong? He was
0: recommended by Sylvester Stallone, who had worked with him on Rambo First Blood Part 2 and Cobra. And Cobra, yes. Those are his big claims to fame. Yes,
1: so... Not necessarily the, your first choice for a major western, I wouldn't think. But, but supposedly, and Kurt Russell mentioned in an interview to I think True West magazine that he directed most of the picture himself, mm-hmm. and that Casamato sort of just was an overseer of the whole project, and uh, which I, think I find interesting.
0: I think it's commonly told and believed that that is the case.
1: The script, I believe, was a lot longer. There were like all the there's so many cowboys, there's so many speaking parts that, and you meet these characters that are. They give a couple lines and then they disappear. There must have been so much left on the cutting room floor. Maybe they cut down the script once Jare was gone and kind of just streamlined it into an Earp Doc Holiday movie and didn't focus on these other characters. Yeah,
0: it was strange. It felt like there was a lot of missing parts and, like you say, characters coming out of nowhere. And you pointed out, like, there are some, some name actors you see that were a big deal in 93 that yeah. are have bit parts. Right.
1: Thomas Hayden Church and John Corbett, who were on Wings and uh, Northern Exposure at the time. I mean, you know, they were very recognizable to a '90s audience, and
0: and could potentially have big parts there in the um, the gang, Cowboys. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, just. No real scenes with them, right?
1: They they show up for a couple scenes and give a few lines, and then but you don't really get anything developed out of them. And then there's also the two guys that go that are friends of Earp and Doc Holiday, uh, Turkey Creek, Jack Johnson, and Texas Jack Vermilion go on their ride of vengeance at the end and those guys you just sort of get introduced to them and then all of a sudden they show up and
0: they play a big part in yes. the third act and
1: they're willing to risk their lives for her but yeah. you don't really know why right so you I, just,
0: what honestly i i got more of a motivation from them than i did from doc because they had a character development they were bad guys that saw the error of the ways they saw the, the yeah. cowboys um scaring women and Kind of needlessly slaughtering people, and they say, "Oh, right. we don't want to be a part of this. Right. We thought it was just a fun time, gang." <laughs> now we'll right. help the good guys. Well, that was actually
1: just the one guy. Uh, True. that that changed his ways. Yeah. So the other two, I don't know. Uh,
0: I, I think I just kind of assumed they, they were all, the same ilk. That they, could be. They went yeah. along with yeah. the one guy.
1: But again, it's not really uh, developed, so you don't no. know. Yeah, and this movie also features a few familiar faces from other westerns. Harry Carey Jr. shows up to play marshall fred white and um, do you know
0: who was originally going to play marshall fred white
1: i believe it was glenn ford correct yes and he but had this poor, poor health for health yeah to withdraw that would have been interesting
0: and harry Carey jr was going to play uh, the wagon master oh when glenn ford was signed so on. he stepped up yeah. and and
1: took over and then uh turkey creek jack johnson's played by buck taylor who was like a regular on Gunsmoke and uh gary clark who was on the first few seasons of the virginian shows up for a bit part he's he's the guy that offers Earp a job right when he gets off the train that very heroic entrance that Earp has um yes it's
0: a classic i would say (laughs) intro to a character you start on on kurt russell's feet pan up and you see like the full measure of the man as he's getting off the train (laughs) and it's right after a line of
1: uh oh yeah uh After the introduction of the cowboys in the first scene, um, Michael Bean's character quotes the Bible. Revelations. Behold, a pale horse. The man who sat on him was death. And hell followed with him. But that, yeah, that follows, uh, leads right into Kurt's introduction. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, yeah, (laughs) you know, something's coming. Um, Did
0: you know who was originally cast as Wyatt Earp?
1: Um, no, I don't.
0: Richard Gere. Richard Gere. Yes. Interesting. And Willem Dafoe as Doc Holliday. really. But Buena Vista refused to distribute the film if Willem Dafoe is uh, attached because of his controversial role in Last Temptation of Christ. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. That still was uh, on people's
0: minds. Yes. <laughs> and That's... then Johnny Ringo was uh, originally going to be uh, or. Was turned down by Mickey Rourke.
1: Yeah, I had heard that. Yeah. yeah. Now that would have been interesting. I, I can't really picture him in the role, uh, especially at that point in his career. But I don't know. He might have been. He might. Michael Bean, who did take the part, I think, uh, chose the scenery with the best of them. <laughs> his eyes are always bugging out, and uh, he's uh, a bit over the top, as yeah. I feel like a lot of the performances in this movie are. Michael Bean has been exactly Byronic. That's Johnny
0: Ringo. The way the script is written, there's a lot of people talking about Ringo, how crazy he is. And as an actor, if I have the rest of the cast telling the audience how dangerous I am, then I don't have to walk around with a chip on my shoulder. You know, the worst thing to do when you're playing a bad guy is to play a bad guy. You're just you playing who you are, and your actions kind of speak for themselves, and uh, people can decide whether those are bad actions or not bad actions. But Mickey Rourke could have been over the top, too. (laughs) Definitely. Or sub in Willem Dafoe. Equally, <laughs> probably a scenery. I, I
1: wonder what that would have been like.
0: I can picture that one.
1: Yeah. I can't really see gear yeah, as an uh, Other Ru- than
0: he's like a natural good guy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But Kurt Russell, I think, makes a very good ERP. Yeah. Um,
0: and with both Kurt and Val, you have two Elvises. That's, right. that's right. That's <laughs> right. I don't know how often that has happened.
1: <laughs> and I had heard that John Carpenter. Had been offered this at one point. Ooh. I don't know if maybe that was after Jari got fired. Maybe he would, was offered to come in as a replacement and see yeah. his relationship with Kurt Russell. Um, but that could have been interesting. I know he's a fan of Westerns. Um, so who knows what that might have been like.
0: Oh, another face that turns up is uh, Billy Bob Thornton. Oh, that's who right. Is, who is almost unrecognizable, yeah. I'd say. It's early in his career. Right, couple pounds heavier i think we could say <laughs> something on your mind and uh i read that apparently he ad-libbed all his lines but oh. they just told him to come in and be a bully <laughs>
1: oh that's interesting and just improvise well his dialogue is it feels very authentic to him yes. in a way um
0: god damn it junior how many
1: times am i gonna to have to tell you to keep that damn cigar out of my face huh christ almighty it's like i'm sitting here playing cards with my brother's kids or something you Nerve wracking sons of bitches. So it feels very southern, yeah. um, and it's.
0: Interesting. We had a, a conversation about this. Yeah, I, I think you have said that you could really picture Billy Bob in a western. Sure, because he's he's just got one of those characters. Yeah, and I was a little more. Is he too southern almost to be in a western? I think that he would have to be called out specifically as a southerner character in the western. Right, he's, right. He's Arkansas <laughs> Joe or whatever. Right, and just because I think his accent would not match with everyone else's. Not that it's a accent that would not exist in a Western, just that it would be so different Different. than everyone else's.
1: In the way that Doc's, I think, is different. Yes. (laughs) That he's from a Georgia plantation Mm -hmm. or or wherever he was from.
0: Is that a fact?
1: Do you want to talk about uh, the music at all? Jer- I mean, I don't
0: want to because Jerry- <laughs> I wasn't that into it.
1: Yeah, I didn't care for the score. Mm-hmm. Jerry Goldsmith was originally offered the the job, and he I think was great. He would have been amazing. Yeah. He, he's done a number of great western scores as well as you know dozens of other movies. Um, but I think it was a scheduling conflict, and I think he recommended Bruce Broughton, mm-hmm. who did do the yeah. score. I think that's how you pronounce his name. But I, I just yeah, I didn't really uh, care for it as much. I think it might have helped to have Jerry Goldsmith. Um, and there to smooth things over, and the uh mustaches in this movie, the facial hair, yes, all supposedly authentic
0: and it shows yeah, yeah, I, it was impressive, yeah, because you see a fake mustache, and you know it 's a you know, fake mustache yeah. most of the time <laughs> these
1: but kudos to the cast yeah. for uh, growing out the facial hair, mm-hmm. and uh, I wonder if charlton heston 's mustache is weird because Heston has a small cameo in this, and I wonder if he. Would have been able to would have grown mustache out for
0: this. Are addition. you doubting Charlton Heston's saying. ability to grow mustache? <laughs> Maybe he didn't know. It's a in good time. thing he's not around anymore because <laughs> he would find you. Uh,
1: but yeah, like Russell, I think even looks a bit like Earp. Mm. Um, and photographs of Earp at the time and the way his mustache is is styled and and uh, you know, I don't know he makes a good uh, makes a good white yeah. or I think. Uh, Sam Elliott is in this. Yes, he's, who
0: is lord and master of the facial hair <laughs> yes we will all man bow of it down the mustache yeah yes but he
1: he's very good in the movie i yeah. thought as uh virgil Earp, the older uh, erp brother and then bill paxton shows up as morgan i'm not a huge bill paxton fan i'm sorry to say but uh he was okay in the movie
0: and confusingly bill pullman yes. is in wyatt erp <laughs> so for I... any of you who get those two confused <laughs>
1: you're gonna be more confused yeah yeah
0: you like the look of uh, Kurt. Did you? What did you think of the costumes?
1: The costumes are interesting. This doesn't really look like many other westerns in terms of like the cowboy's wardrobe. Um, it's very colorful, uh, very flashy. I had a friend who called this a Hollywood fashion show, a western fashion show when, <laughs> when the movie came out. But evidently the costumes are very period authentic, um, according to an article in True West Magazine. Um, Peter uh, Shireko, I think that's how you say his name, who played Texas Jack Vermillion, one of erp's cohorts, um, had a group called the Buckaroos who specialized in authentic wardrobe and and uh, uh, firearms for, for Westerns and movies. And he got together with Kevin Jarre uh, in pre-production and kind of through his research and his photographs and things they they design the costumes and basically a, a buckaroo is a living cowboy historian they're much better than hiring just a regular extras off the street because these guys come equipped with their costumes their horses their period saddles and their guns they know how to ride horses they know how to handle the gun safely it alleviates a lot of headaches for the production company and they look good I called one guy from Montana, and he was all excited. He says, "I want to come down and work on Tombstone. I just, I, I love the whole concept of the film." And I said, "Well, you know, you're going to have to live in a tent." And he said, "Live in a tent? I was just bringing my bedroll down." The buckaroos are out there, fifty strong, living in tents. And when we're shooting nights, they're sleeping during the day in those tents. It's 115 degrees. They're part of what's going on. They bring all of that to the set. And Jari wanted a very colorful, shirt, you know, shirts for all the cowboys, and they all have bright purple and blue and reds and and they all wear those red sashes and i don't know it's it looks a bit um out there sometimes but uh it didn't really bother didn't bother you no okay maybe i'm just used to other hollywood westerns getting it wrong i guess yeah that's a
0: fair point put on the costume and that's when it all begins and that's what all changes you see val walking in and out of here with a straw hat and a pair of bermuda shorts and a pair of thongs on at night when he comes out of that trailer with that pallor and he's sweating and he's got all those clothes on and packing those guns, it's a different man. I happen to believe if you make it right for the people that know the difference, and then the other people are going to get a lot more out of it at the same time. I read that he also, because Kevin Jarry wanted such realism in the costumes, uh, he wanted the real wool. Yes. Which, <laughs> given that they were in Arizona, was rather uncomfortable. Probably, and sure. Uh, Val Kilmer said that they had a thermometer on set at one point in the Birdcage Theater um, set, and at one point it read 134 degrees, and they're in the wool costumes, and uh, he even suggested jokingly that that was the reason Doc Holliday killed so many people. (laughs) (laughs) He said it's just like he wore wool wool in the summer in the Arizona Territory, and that made him mad.
1: (laughs) That probably looks like he was, why it looks like he's going to die. Yeah.
0: He is sweating up a yes, storm. Yes, he is
1: pale and sweaty and uh, sickly. And it probably helped to be in that, those wool costumes and that heat. Another thing about the costumes, the other uh, Wyatt Earp movie that was in production, and there was that and I think Geronimo, two competing Geronimo films were in pre-production. And they had uh, gotten uh, all the, uh, the Western costumes from the wardrobe houses in Hollywood. They had, they had you know confiscated them so when the tombstone costume designer was going around trying to find things they couldn't find anything and had to make everything from scratch uh and stetson produced all their hats and
0: i'm sure that was expensive yes i'm
1: sure yeah i think the costume budget i want to say it was like four hundred thousand dollars or something like that for this movie um but it shows i mean it's very different uh from most westerns in terms of the look of of the cowboy gang in particular Mm. i mean the herbs are mostly mostly in suits so You know, Mm -hmm. Um, as far as history goes, I think the basic details of this are right. When the cow, after the gunfight, I think the gunfight, all the participants are the same and the length of the gunfight is roughly, uh, you know, the same. I think the real gunfight was 30 seconds and maybe in the movie, it's like a minute or something, you know, they had to step it Mm -hmm. out a little bit. But the, when the Cowboys ambush the Earp brothers, they portray that as being on one night of when they attack Virgil and Morgan. And I understand that for dramatic purposes, but it's a little weird when after Sam Elliott's character gets shot and they're operating on his arm and Morgan, uh, played by Bill Paxton, is just beside himself with grief and upset and storms off. And then they cut to the next scene and he's playing pool in in their saloon and he seems very relaxed and yeah. he's got his back to the door and then he gets shot in the back.
0: That seems like one of those moments that maybe was cut out or... yeah. Or something, just because that time frame didn't seem right, right. and it it just didn't make logic logical no, sense that no. he would have his back turned when people have been ambushing everyone all right. over the town
1: if they're so on edge and so worried, why would he be you know in such a relaxed position? They've
0: and, attacked and, their uh, wives yeah. after this point at this point and
1: yeah it it was it stood out as as kind of jarring um and maybe it was just part of the cutting down of the movie because i I'm sure this movie must have been. Intended to be much longer originally yes. when Kevin Jare was was uh, still directing.
0: I think it's that this ambush scene when Sam Elliott and um, Bill Paxton mm-hmm. get shot, uh, where there's all that lightning. Is that the right? Yes, scene? yes. Yeah. Which when I watched it, I was like, "This is a bit much." <laughs> like they have this <laughs> very dramatic, huge lightning surrounding this this kind of turning point in the movie where evil has been unleashed. Yes, and it's, it's like
1: a very dramatic really? scene. Yeah
0: apparently the lightning was real oh wow yeah (laughs) just a a fortunate happening that's interesting yeah huh i think they might have helped it out a little bit after the fact but for the most part all real lightning huh
1: just as george said action there was a long heavy crack of thunder as he was panning down off of the sign of the OK Corral to see the four guys coming around the corner. Yeah, there were some pretty impressive lightning strikes uh, in during that sequence. Uh, I'm sure like when they go to close-ups and stuff they're just flashing lights yeah. but but uh yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was uh, very, a very a very dramatic scene and er, it ends with Wyatt standing in the rain screaming and uh Really, really out there.
0: Which, that was another moment when the ladies come out. Yes. <laughs> and and I didn't really buy the moment very much, because earlier in the film, his wife says, Go and tell uh, Dan yeah. Delaney's character, <laughs> uh, Josie, go and tell her, you know, you hate her, you want nothing to do with her, and tell her in front of me, basically. That's her ultimatum. And then we get to this scene in the rain where he's torn between each woman and he tells off Dana Delaney yeah. in front of his wife, and then his wife is mad about it. <laughs> like, ladies be crazy, is, yeah. <laughs> is what I get after that scene.
1: Well, he basically yells at her, too, to get he away does, from it. He does, but... <clears throat> yeah.
0: What, is, what does she want? <laughs> does she want him to be with Dana Delaney, or I does don't she know. not? She's all hopped up on uh laudanum, so true. she doesn't know what's going She's on. She's sleeping half the time. <laughs>
1: Do you want to talk about the end of the movie? Yes. Well, let me say this first. Uh, I think after the gunfight and after the Earp brothers are ambushed and Earp gathers his posse to go Mm -hmm. chase down everybody, I think it starts to kind of drag on a little bit at that point and become repetitive. Mm -hmm. It feels like there's several montages of them just shooting people. Yeah. Um, Sort of loses uh, interest for me in the movie. And And then getting to the end when Doc dies...
0: Well, actually, before that, yeah. I would say, as far as the pacing of the ending, I thought after Doc kills
1: Johnny Ringo Johnny Ringo, yeah.
0: that was to me the logical place to end the movie and maybe even to manufacture that that is where Doc dies, even though that 's not true to history. Doc ends up dying yeah um, in this uh, sanatorium, but it just felt like we 've conquered the bad guys, you have our our two main protagonists together in a scene. Mm. Um, they, they have a heart to heart. Let's see, you know, in my, in my fictional version of this story, let's see Doc die. And then Wyatt goes off on his own, rides off in the sunset, so to speak. Sure. And yet after that, there are more montages of, of Wyatt going off and shooting people. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And then we get to the scene where Doc does die in the sanatorium. Wyatt comes to visit him. Right.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, um, Johnny Ringo is ostensibly the leader of the Cowboys at this point and so when he dies it's just sort of uh you know overkill I think to to keep hunting down the, these other cowboys. Oh, well and then... my
0: comparison was if you're playing a video game the end of the game is killing the big boss. Yes. And in this movie Johnny Ringo is the big boss. Right. It's, you don't go on and and kill his minions afterwards right, because right. you've already built up all the skills that you needed to conquer the big villain.
1: And the gang is probably broken up yes. at this point. Interesting, though, Ike Clanton, they don't ever kill. They let him go. <gasps>
0: that drove me crazy! <laughs> there are three times when they could have killed him mm-hmm. and stopped a lot of the destruction he personally call- causes, and yet they just let him go. Yeah. And and yet there are all these other guys that they, you know, kill right away, and it made no sense to yes. me. there
1: are just random guys that you've never seen before getting blown away. And and Ike, who they've had multiple run-ins with, they just let him right away. And I, I think the movie's trying to uh, adhere to history at times and then other times have it its own way. Like Ike, I believe, died in Mexico and maybe Earp didn't kill him. So maybe they decided, oh, we don't want to have him kill Earp. Although it seems weird in the, the logic of the film. Uh, but also the scene with Earp and Doc at the uh, sanatorium... I read that Earp never visited him at oh. the sanatorium. I don't know if that's true or not. Huh. I read on a website somewhere that uh, that he had never visited Some him. French. So that's a manufactured <laughs> <Yeah>. scene. <laughs> and also Johnny Ringo, um, just a little historical trivia for him. He was found dead uh, by a tree, like in the movie, but they don't know how he died. And, and mm. people assume it was suicide. I don't know if Doc ever got him or not, but yeah. the movie certainly uh, says that he is. And they're sort of... Mirror images of each Mm -hmm. other. I think Doc like understands Johnny Ringo, and they quote Latin to each other, and and, uh, are both the the most skilled gunmen of their peer group. Mm -hmm. You must be Doc Holliday. (coughs) That's the rumor. You retired too?
0: Not me. I'm in my prime. Yeah, you look it. You must be Ringo.
1: Look, darling. Johnny Ringo.
0: The deadliest pistol there since Wild Bill, they say. What do you think, darling? Should I hate him?
1: You don't even know him.
0: No, that's true, but... I don't know. There's just something about him. Something around the eyes. I don't know. Reminds me of me no I'm sure of it I hate him he's drunk in vino veritas I jake what agis creda juda sotella non ego eventus stultorum magister come on boys we don't want any trouble in here not in any language Us latin doll evidently Mr. Ringo's an educated man now I really hate him
1: um, and then after Doc dies and we get the line of him looking at his feet
0: oh, this is funny
1: Saying, that is funny, or I'll be damned, yeah, or something.
0: Yeah, and he kind of laughs.
1: Yeah, which I, which you said was probably a reference to him wanting to die with his boots on.
0: But that is never mentioned in this no, film, and no. it, it is part of the history, I think, that Doc said that he wanted to die fighting, yes. die with his boots on, yes. and then, ironically, he, he doesn't.
1: Which He dies in bed, yeah. Was
0: actually a little bit hard to do as a as a rough and you know cowboy back then. Yes, yeah. But it was a weird moment in the film. I think both of us kind of looked at each other like, it, "What did that mean?" It
1: needs a setup line earlier yeah. in the film or something. It's um, a
0: punchline without a setup. Yeah, basically. Yeah.
1: And then after that, we get we cut to Earp finding Josie in Colorado, I believe, and they are dancing outside a theater in the snow to this cheesy. It's uplifting... the corniest <laughs> moment in
0: the whole movie. What should we do first?
1: what you wanted to do the first night we met. Uh, Remember? uh, May I have this dance? uh, (laughs) Yes. And then we'll have room service. It really throws the movie off. I mean,
0: and and also you don't get any closure for what happened to his wife. I think, yeah. basically she goes off on the train with the rest of the Earps. Yes, but you don't you don't get any moment. You with don't her. see her
1: again, and then the narration at the end says, "Oh, she died of an overdose or mm-hmm. something." But there's no uh, final scene between she and, and Wyatt Earp uh, dissolving their relationship yeah. or anything. We'll have to get to the Kevin Costner film eventually and uh, see how it compares. I know that film covers like Earp's entire
0: life. So, oh boy. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Can't wait. It's an epic. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long one.
0: Little baby Wyatt.
1: We'll have to get you uh, some tea and coffee to yeah. keep you awake. What else do you have to say about this one?
0: I think that's, that about wraps it up for this one. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. It's a watchable film. It's it's fun in, in parts, but I don't I don't think it's like a classic story no. or anything like Mm-mm. that. Yeah.
0: But an interesting example from recent history.
1: Yeah, from the mid-90s or the early 90s yeah. Western boom.
0: And Kurt Russell does a stand-up job. Yeah, Kurt Russell. Val he's... Kilmer is in it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, Kurt. Uh, Kurt's always pretty reliable, yeah. I think. Yeah,
0: yeah. And now he's Santa Claus. Yeah,
1: so you got that to look forward yeah. to. <laughs> All right, I guess that wraps it up uh, for this week. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back uh, soon with another... Uh, Western, classic, or maybe not so classic.
0: Signing off is me, Felicity, Clarence, and the spirit of Clint Eastwood. (laughs) Adios.